Screaming Queens is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at horrifiedmag. I feel so sleazy. Welcome to Sleazy Queens, the Screaming Queens queer horror podcast spin-off that takes a step outside of the horror box and looks at all the dirty things that surround it, basically. My name's Jonathan Larkin, and tonight I'm joined by my two fellow perverts, um, Andy Roberts. <laughs> hello, Andy. Hello. And Christopher Brown. Hello, Chris. Hello. Yeah. Right. Uh, I am. I am. And tonight, uh, tonight we're talking Caligula. Caligula, he was a bit of a one. The third ruling emperor of ancient Rome, Caligula, or as he was officially known, Gaius Caesar Augustus Germanicus, was a renowned tyrant. His reign went down in history as one of sexual depravity, sadism and excess. Although the reliability of these sources is, shall we say, questionable, we never let that get in the way of a good dirty story. A story of orgies, murders, torture, incest, you name it, Caligula apparently did it. Tinto Brass made a highbrow piece of arty porn about him in 1979, starring the likes of Helen Mirren, Peter O'Toole and Malcolm McDowell in the title role. Earning bad reviews but unrivaled infamy, it drew the attention of Italian filmmakers. Italian filmmakers. And before you can say exploitation, our problematic fave, Mr Joe D'Amato, was at the helm, fashioning the crudely titled Caligula 2, The Untold Story. Replacing Helen Mirren with Black Emmanuel herself, Laura Gemza, and starring the infeasibly camp David Brandon as the man himself, Caligula 2 is a shameless rip-off of epic proportions, and I do mean epic. Measuring up at a throbbing two hours and five minutes, it's chock full of boobs, blood, and as seems to be a worrying theme in our podcast, wanking off a horse. (laughs) But does Caligula 2 blow its load too soon, or is it an epic edging session that delivers in the end? Well, shut the curtains, fetch the Kleenex, and leave your models at the door. When in Rome. Caligula, the untold story. Gaius Caesar, the cruelest and most treacherous emperor in Rome's long and bloody history, better known as Caligula. David Kane Houghton is Caligula. cold blood he murdered his adoptive grandfather Tiberius and assumed control of the Roman legions and the power that came with it. Caligula, the untold story. Also starring Laura Gemser as the slave girl who teaches an emperor the meaning of tenderness. Caligula, man or monster? This is the true story. This is Caligula, the untold story. This was my first time seeing this film. Uh, take it, have you seen it before, Andy? No, no. Oh. I've, I'd heard of it a long time ago. First um, time for you too. The first time for me as well. First time. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I've not seen it before. Um, oh. I was aware of it. But um, but only because of the story that um, I think we mentioned it, or somebody mentioned it in in, in a previous Sleazy Queens where we spoke about um, the fact that they put the horse in this one because the rumours that there, were gonna, there was going to be a horse in the first Caligula, so they That's kind right. of like, let's put a horse in this one. Yeah. Um, so I was aware of it, but I'd not seen it. I'd only seen the the, the, the OG Caligula as it were. So we are three Vestal Virgins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, I mean I haven't even seen the original, if I'm honest, the the Tinto Brass oh. version. 
you need a lot of patience. But it's supposed to be like a disaster and also like an epic at the same time. But obviously yeah. it's by Tinto Brass, and I've heard of Tinto Brass and seen Presented. some of his movies. So I can kind of guess what it is. I think it's more, it's infamous because there's so many well-regarded actors getting up to, well, shenanigans that you'd only seem to see in an exploitation movie. Well, much like much like other films we've discussed, like I think Play Motel was one of them. Um, I think a lot of the cast of the original Caligula it basically had no clue that they were going to be spliced in with hardcore porn scenes. So, like, you've got Helen Mirren in a film that's got hardcore porn. <laughs> I think it's it's kind of infamous for that. I saw, I think Caligula was on, I think, Bravo, when Bravo used to do films and stuff in the 90s. <laughs> I think it was on there at some point, so I've seen a bit of it, thinking, you know, I was a teenager, and I thought, oh, great, I'll... This will be mm. a good, this will be a good wank fest, and then I, I put it on, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Um, and <laughs> like I, I mainly found it boring until it turned over. Um, so well, you probably would have. Would you even seen the uncut version back in the nineties? Because th- well, that's the other problem with the original yeah. film is that it's been distributed in so many different cuts. Because obviously, there's one that has the hardcore footage, like you said. Yeah. And then there's one that doesn't have that, but is still relatively strong. And then there's like a really sort of mild R-rated version that has like most of the stuff cut out, and it's just the dramatic bits. I think so, there was sex. There was definitely sex in the one that was on Bravo that time. Mm. But, but obviously, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been the hard version. No, it wouldn't have been hardcore. No. Um, so yeah, so that that was my memory of seeing the original. Have you seen the original right through, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. The um, when Arrow released it, whenever it was, oh, like yeah. ten years ago, whatever. Yeah. Um I sat through it and then got rid of the Blu-ray. Um <laughs> so, yeah. I think that Blu-ray is incredibly pricey now, isn't oh, it? Fuck off, no, come on, no. <laughs> like it's no, like it is, it's like, so pricey. <laughs> I could have bought a car or something off it now. Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> like no, it, it easily easily goes for over a hundred quid on like eBay. Wow. Yeah, that's a nice one to have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I got got rid of that for like fifteen quid. Oh, oh no! Yeah, still went ah, can't be after that and got rid. I went back in the days when I used to do that, but, the, but before I realised that all these arrow Blu-rays <laughs> like this yeah. would like be stupid money after a few years. Mm. Yeah. I've got a few of those original arrow Blu-rays and DVDs there, and I never realised um, the price they can fetch now. So I think I've got like the door. Some of them are, one. yeah. I, I know that the um, the arrow version of the the Exterminator is also pretty rare now because. Oh, yeah. um, I've got yeah. that as well. Yeah, I've got yes, that. You do. Yes, you do. You also have Savage Streets as well, don't you? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We've got both. We've got that, yeah. Which is which is extremely rare because yeah. it, you know, it's it's very rare because uh, the Savage Streets was um, was in a, an Arrow warehouse and there was a there was a fire basically and all the copies were destroyed so it got. It got destroyed and it became rare, like before it licensed. I sacrificed that warehouse so my Savage Streets would be worth more money. Wow. It's it's worth a lot of money now that that version, <laughs> and it's just and, and it's just and it's just a DVD version yeah, as yeah, well. Poster. Yeah, yeah. It's not even I'm... like the, a Blu-ray, so yeah, Aww. incredibly rare. That's good to know. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, well, this ain't Tinto Brass. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's, it's, it's certainly ain't. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe D'Amato helmed this film. He's um. On screen, he is called David Hills. Is that right for this one? Yeah. Yes. Is that, is that one of his porn pseudonyms? Do you know, I'm not sure because Joe D'Amato has so many sort it's, of, um, yeah. it's so many pseudonyms. He, he almost rivals um, Jess Franco in terms of how many sort of uh, you know, pseudonyms he had. I assume, though, that it's one of his more commonly used ones, though. I'm not sure if it's one that he's used for porn, but considering the content of this film, it wouldn't surprise me either. Definitely not. Considering the fact his name isn't Joe D'Amato, is probably as well. Well, actually, yes, there is that. I mean, is it was it Aristodei Masachesi, I think is his real name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said yeah. as well. You have yeah. to be Think- suspicious of anyone who never works under his real name. Chris, what what was your overall? <laughs> oh, it's fucking... I mean, it's, it's shorter than the Tito Brass version yeah. of exactly the same story, but it's yeah. still fucking long, isn't it? I know this is like, we watch like a kind of like a, an all-in like, yeah. cut with everyth- everything in the, in, the, in the gay post end, but, oh, man, it felt long. Um, and then there's this massive orgy in the middle, which is exactly why we picked it. Um, yeah. so there's, <laughs> there's lots of stuff in it that kind of, like, 
is 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 super sleazy, yeah. but I was very tired of it by the end. Yeah, I know what you mean. Andy, I, I, what about you? Um, yeah, I was the same really because um, obviously I knew it was going to be a longer film, and it's it it's quite you know it, it gets into it quite quickly. There's, like Chris said, there's lots of bits in it that are exactly what you want from an exploitation film. You know, there's sleaze, there's yeah. um there's sexual violence, there's actual violence, there's animals in there. There's also there's all the ingredients for like a good time. But <laughs> I, I know what you I know what Chris means. It it kind of overstayed its welcome, I'd say. There could have easily have been about half an hour's footage cut out with keeping the main points of the movie there. When, um, you, say, when you say main points, do you mean the orgy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know the, the well the bits that clearly are there just to entertain the viewer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I felt like the torture sequences that came after, like sort of the 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 sort of mini plot twist that I wasn't really expecting. Yeah. That after that, I felt like the film dragged a lot. So the the second, like the last third of it was was quite a chore. I was I was feeling quite tired of it myself. So, yeah. um, I think by that point it had pretty much spent its load. As you said before, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I really, I enjoyed it, but I think you know, in retrospect, it's, uh, it's a bit of, it's a bit more hard work than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a bit easier to watch, if I'm honest. I'd say the same. I, 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 I definitely enjoyed it. Um, I think it's not as good as some of his other films that I've watched. I feel like it's got a bit more flab to it than some of the others. But mm. for a cheap and nasty rip-off, it didn't feel that cheap and nasty. I mean, it felt nasty, mm. but it didn't feel cheap. I thought, I was surprised by how it looked quite good. It looked yeah. good. It yeah. looked good. And I was thinking, like, you know, I've seen other, like, historical epics. Like, uh, remember that one? Um, was it Oliver Stone's Alexander? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like the likes of that, which was fucking shit, but it has everything but the kitchen sink thrown at it in terms of budget and stars and stuff. But this was mm. infinitely more entertaining than the likes of that. You know, yeah. I feel like that a more mainstream sort of quote unquote, you know, acceptable, uh, 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 legitimate sword and sandals or, or historical epics that mm. are, are much worse than this, basically. Yeah. So I was quite surprised well, by that. It was nice just to see actually a D'Amato film that actually really tried to go for a story, you know, not just the bog standard suppose, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, in other sort of films that are like this, where they, um, where D'Amato mixes um, hardcore porn with, you know, scenes of like graphic violence or stuff like that, yeah. usually they feel exactly as they are. They're basically just those scenes with like some minor plots stringing them together to make yeah. a cohesive narrative. Whereas this one actually does focus on the narrative as well as much as yeah. it's obviously not done as well as tinto brass's version probably yeah but yeah there was some bits in this where i was genuinely quite surprised that like like the whole twist i mean obviously we're going into the film now but the whole bit in the middle where um laura gems's character miriam where where she kind of just betrays the whole plan to assassinate caligula yeah. like that really came so out of left field that I wasn't quite prepared for it at all. I thought it I made... missed something. I was like, hang on. Have I... I thought, have I looked away for a minute and something, this stuff completely missed something? I was, yeah, I was it, it, it really, you know, you, you had an idea, I think, about where the plot was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And that just threw it completely off for me. So it, it was a bit of a moment where I was like, oh, okay, well, what's yeah. going to happen now then? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, so it's surprising in a lot of ways, but obviously it's not going to be quite as accomplished as um, yeah. as the Tinto Brass version. So covering the final days of Perverse's Roman Emperor Caligula's life, uh, or reign, sorry, I should say, here, the film opens with him tossing and turning in bed. Um, he's having a dream that recurs throughout the film, which is about his, de- his death, and there's like a, a death-like figure riding a horse, killing him on a beach and there's like an opening monologue that uh, describes him as glutton pervert epileptic and insomniac this is his story i love the way that these sort of emphasize epileptic like that's worse than the fact that he's a pervert <laughs> um, <laughs> um and he's having these sort of premonitions of his death and then suddenly there's an assassination attempt on his life by the poet Tibitius, played by michele suave i was quite surprised to see him yeah, in this yeah. Film. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, well, this was, um, there's a few people in this, wasn't there, that turned up in his movie later, your stage fright. You guys yes. seen that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah. David Brandon uh, turns up again in that. And yeah. um, obviously Joe D'Amato, I think, had an influence on Stage Fright as well, if I remember, maybe as a producer of some kind. He did have something to do with it, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It, it looks like, you know, Michele Suave was kind of gathering some of his future crew here, <laughs> really. Yeah, he but, but he always did that, didn't he? Cut his teeth on, in by acting yeah. in these sorts of films and helping behind the camera. So it's always putting, nice to see Mr. Putting Mr. the leg work in. Putting the leg work in and bloody hell, he had to work for it, didn't he, really, with this one? <laughs> He's been in everything. Like, yeah. <laughs> you just see him pop up everywhere. You're like, this guy really did, you know, learn his craft on set. Yeah, totally. So in retaliation for his, his murder attempt, his assassination attempt, Caligula has his tongue cut out and he has his uh, tendons cut, so basically all, none of his limbs work and his, his, uh, his, obviously he's got no tongue. And um, uh, could we just acknowledge the camp queenliness of David Brandon's Caligula straight off the bat? <laughs> he's just so yeah. camp, straight away. It's, ve- it's very... It's very flowery, very flowery extravagant. Is the word. Yeah, because yeah. obviously he's he's. I think David Brandon was like a trained actor, and like yeah. um, I think he's Irish as well. Like um, it, there was um, there's definitely a quality to his performance that indicates yeah. he does know what he's doing. He's not yeah. just chewing the scenery, yeah. but but he'll also he is <laughs> at the yeah. same time. There's a there's an intelligence to the campiness, you know. It's um it's quite quite uh, quite sweet to watch. I'd say. Yeah, um, he's like uh, he's just that sort of arch villain that always has an RP British accent, doesn't he? Mm. Basically, mm. yeah. Uh, but I just kept expecting him to launch into a chorus of cabaret at any given moment. He was so camping over the top. So he he and his uh, so we we meet him and then he and his right hand man Masala. Go stalking a couple of young lovers in the woods. This is just after, so they go to the beach, don't they? Where he's always dreaming about his death, and mm. there's like a Christian mingle thing going on. Yeah, all these young like, Christians dancing about. It felt a little bit like a really early precursor to like when the teenagers go frolicking and skinny dipping in a lake in a slasher movie. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> like here's the Christ- Christian pilgrims frolicking about in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Um, they're all very sort of young and nubile, aren't they? Boys and girls, very, very pretty. And we see Caligula's iron all of them up, basically, basically saying they're all very tasty. Um, so we get the vibe that he might be a little bit, a little bit of a swinger, you know, any holes a goal. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, we see the newly, the newly baptized Christian, Olivia, and her, her boyfriend who looks like something from um, Cadeno, gay vintage porn. <laughs> Um, they go off into the woods and they're going to get down to it. Um, um, but then Caligula and Masala turn up to watch the show. But Caligula wants to have the girl to himself, so he decides it'd be better just to rape her in front of her boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as um, you do. Yes, it, it it happens. Like, but I mean, you, you've said all that, but the, you, I think you, that's like the first five minutes of the film that we've spoken about here. I mean, it's it it's it, it just huge amounts happen early doors like you've got all this all this goes you know tongue tongue slashings in graphic details i'll get they get right in there and do the fake tongue split yeah Yeah. and then and then you've got the the rape and then the 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 accidental death that is it manslaughter i don't know only a court could decide and caligula is the court i suppose doesn't she kill herself though i thought she Does stabbed she? herself i thought she banged it sorry go on it is you i'm sure you're right now i could be wrong mm, i'm not sure now actually because now that you say it yeah now that you mention it it doesn't show the blade going in it just shows her the blood coming from her mouth and i do wonder whether actually she did do it herself i thought or, i thought she no, killed herself. i think you might be right yeah yeah, because I don't because I wasn't sure whether she grabs the knife and he sees it because obviously Masala warns him. Yeah, and then he just goes to grab it and accidentally plunges it into his abdomen. I'm not sure. Okay, I mean, you know, he is trying to just get his rocks off, so it might just be that he just struggles with it and accidentally kills her. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. But well, she way, ends up dead either way. She's dead, and to cover it up, they kill uh, the boyfriend as well, and then Caligula. Uh, so the boy is the son of somebody who's important, who I don't know who that is and I don't care, but he's a consul of some sort. And mm. um, they basically go to the consul don't they, and say, your son and his girlfriend have been murdered by the Christians. So it's basically <laughs> the, these newfangled 
religious zealots. Yeah, this yeah. cult of Christianity. So they get they get the blame for this double murder and um, it stirs the shit, something wrong. And then um, the Christians are suddenly like driven from their cave dwelling and crucified. So it's like twenty minutes in, we get our first glimpse of Lord Agamemnon as Miriam, and she mm. was the she was the friend of the girl, the murder girl Olivia. And uh, straight away, you can get you can gather from Laura's face that there's a revenge plot coming. Mm. And so she, so her god is Anubis, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And she says, her God speaks of vengeance. So uh, we realise Miriam did not come to play with these hoes. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the flashback, though, of like establishing that she is um, yeah. Olivia's friend? So, so pathetically done. <laughs> I could just laugh my head off. It's literally like a case of, she goes, oh, like, um, <laughs> hi, Miriam. Like, hi, Livia. Like, you won't leave me alone ever? No, of course not. And then like, oh, yeah. her. <laughs> and that's it. That's the extent of their relationship. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, it, it literally looks like she just met her randomly in the park while high on drugs and just said, please don't let me go. So we get this like little hint of plot and we know that something's coming. It's going to be about revenge. But then mm. straight back to Caligula. I thought he was trying to like um, establish like a new new kingdom sort of thing like he was going to build like a new town or like yeah, a thriving... there's a lot of talks of amphitheaters and stuff like that yeah he basically wants yeah he wants like a new town or like some new infrastructure to kind of celebrate the fact that he's so great but obviously there's he's he, he's clearly not that careful with money and has splurged most of the treasury so Everyone else who's around him is kind of saying, "Well, we can't really do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. need to tone it down a little bit." So his answer is obviously, "Let's throw a charity orgy to raise the money." <laughs> Everybody has to come to. Um, f- uh, again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I Every- bet you did. <laughs> everybody who wants to come has to pay to come. And, uh... <laughs> Um so basically yeah, so that's gonna be like a charity orgy to raise funds to pay for this amphitheatre and this, you know, new mm. fangled Rome. And um I, do you know what? I I have put in my notes here that I can't understand any of this scene because he's so camp. <laughs> that, well there's a bit where he walks towards like the back of the room and then sort of twirls around and obviously he's wearing this like very lengthy, flowy kimono type outfit <laughs> with a gold coronet, and it it's just incredibly flamboyant. So you just you just yeah. try not to laugh. The kimono is a lot lengthier than what he wore at the beginning because you can see right up his ass crack in the first five minutes. Well, that happens a lot, doesn't it, during these dream sequences? Because obviously he keeps dream, dreaming that um a, an ident was it um a faceless bowman is trying to shoot him. And he just ends up on the beach, like kind of shuffling away and holding his hand up, you know, like shouting, no, no. But he ends up just kicking sand up his arse and flashing it constantly. And obviously in some moments, like the camera's quite close and it's like, he's just, this is just, <laughs> this is just flashing, like with extra bits. Yeah, it doesn't bother me, I've got to say. Um, so no, he, no. So he, we have uh, Chris. Your favorite line is coming up. So with the t- he's drinking wine, isn't he? While he's with his people, and they're worried that his wine might be poisoned. Oh God, yeah. No, I tweeted it to you. And I can't remember what it is now. It's isn't it like um, much like your wife's privates? My, uh, I, I, my, my wine is closely guarded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Essentially that, yeah. So. But then suddenly he goes into convulsions and starts foaming at the mouth, and we think it's poison, but it's actually his epilepsy. Yes, it is his epilepsy. Um, and also, he basically uses it as this really weird way of getting back at people he doesn't like. <laughs> so it's a bit, I mean, at no point, when, when the three people say, I will give my life to, as long as the Emperor is safe, you'd be a bit like, Yeah, you do that, son. But, you know, yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, but like kind of cough behind your hand. Yeah. They, they foolishly two people jumped in there and kind of said oh, all my money and my life to save Caligula and he went yeah all right, didn't you sound so then he casually murders one of them yeah, was it two? yeah. Uh, murders one and mugs off the other 
fucks off the other. So our first proper bit of sex comes like 33 minutes in, which is, uh, it just comes out of the blue. Suddenly you've got two slave girls lazing off for Caligula's viewing pleasure. Um, can I yeah. just say, I love the fact that one of them is called Clitzia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I saw that and I looked at the um, at the IMDB and it's, it's obviously spelt with just a, a C-L-I-Z-I-A. But when it, I was just like, no, it has to be spelt with the T in there. I mean, you can't just call it Clitzia and not have it actually spelt the way that you think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, he uh, so he's he's got them sort of lezzing off while he's enjoying the show, but then he decides that he wants to take Clitzia around to meet up with um, what's his name again, Demetrius, who's played by Michele Suave, and he's yeah, poet. The poet who's had all his tendons cut, so he's just basically a sitting doll, but only um, his knob still works. So, uh, <laughs> so Caligula says in a very camp fashion, he can't even masturbate anymore. Um, so basically, he gets Clitia to tug off Demetrius, and um, I never thought I'd see Michele Suave in a cry wank scene. <laughs> and yet, here we are. And yet, here we are. Yeah. Here we are. That was uh, odd, wasn't it? That was yeah. odd. All of that was odd. I mean, it's so odd generally and it's about Renzi Cruel, but yeah, like yeah. at this point, there's like a lot of sex that's happened, but you don't see much of it. And yeah. I was a bit like, is this the hardcore version? And obviously it was the hardcore version because we'll get to that in a minute. But that's yet to come. Very much like much like that horse. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kept it's kept quite soft core, isn't it, at this, at this yeah, stage? Yeah, like surprisingly so, because this is a, I mean, as grim as this moment is, it's exactly the moment that if you were going to do something like this, you probably would kind of show something, even if it's with stand-ins. <laughs> you know. mm, yeah. But no. Yeah. I mean, I'm not disappointed. I mean, you know, reducing the amount of hardcore semi-flaccid penis is, is probably fine. Personally, for myself, fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> Speak for yourself, Christopher. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of people in this film that don't look like they're into it at all. I'm telling you, it's, yeah, apart from the horse. Apart <laughs> from the horse, it's fun. <laughs> um, also, things here then turn a little bit queer. So after this, there's a there's an interesting scene, shall we say. And mm. uh, I'm not going to rely, I found this scene quite arousing. And it's Caligula is watching his soldier, Masala, shag a couple of girls. But the whole time, he can't take his eyes off Masala's pert bottom. Um, yeah. Lots, there's, there's lots of close-ups of Masala's thrusting buns, um, and then and then Caligula comes over, joins in, but he basically just climbs on board and mounts Masala from behind, and then suddenly they're kissing. Yeah, which I thought was really um, it was really really quite interesting. It did make me think because um, I've always said this, but I think Joe D'Amato photographs men exactly how he photographs women. He makes them look good and he makes them look sexy, you know, unless they're absolutely minging men or women. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you can only work with what you're given. But um, I, it did make me think, I wonder what Joe D'Amato's version of gay porn would have been. Yeah, because this was, it was kind, it was really erotic, actually, wasn't it? Like, it was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Caligula clearly also, you know, clearly likes it both ways, yeah. but is actually quite passionate about it, too. Not just, like, he does it because it's controversial. Like, he actually, he likes it. And yeah. that's probably, this is probably why he's chosen Masala to be his, his sort of second in command, really, because he likes him, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just to protect him, it's that he actually quite likes him. So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does make you wonder because because Je- um, Jeff Franco is not really the same way. Like he he photographs women very well, but not necessarily uh, male figures. But yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you with with Demato. He he's got an eye for both men and women. And also uh, in that same bracket, Tinto Brass is similar as well. Mm. In, in his films, I've only seen a couple of them so far, but. He he pays as much attention to naked men as just to naked women in a lot of his work. Well, there's a big scene in Salon Kitty, isn't there, where the main focus is the men, I think. Or is, or is it the damned? 
Is, is the damned? Uh, no, the damned isn't Tinto Brass, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's, um, no, but, yeah, Tinto Brass is um, yeah the the Salon Kitty. There's definitely a sequence where it's like there's a lot of focus on the male figures, and it is. Yeah. And obviously, it's harder to make them look erotic because they're in Nazi uniforms. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least yeah. at least it makes it makes it harder to make it morally arousing. Yeah, it that way. Morally arousing. <laughs> the immorally arousing sleazy queens. Um, <laughs> so then, so that's the first, that's like quite a queer moment, and then and then from there it cuts away from there to another quite queer moment because there's like a really camp androgynous male character who calls himself a trainer, and mm. he, he's basically got girls lining up for this charity orgy, and he's inspecting them. And he's like, <laughs> like a full makeup on and stuff. Um, yeah, some great dialogue here. There's um, <laughs> like one of the women is a bit frumpy, and he says, uh, "He says she can't get in because she'll make everyone vomit before dinner." And <laughs> she's like, "Please, I'll do anything. I know all the tricks." And he says, "Oh, you'll do for sex with dogs and horses." And she's, <laughs> and she's like, "All right." <laughs> Listen, she's gonna get paid. Isn't she like, oh, I've got to make money. Yeah, <laughs> fucking yeah, this one is, man. That's good. Cool. And she says to her mate, oh, well, the important thing is we've got work. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, mate, you know what I mean? But who knows oh, what the next man. six months will bring. Christ. Oh, God. Prolaps. Jesus Christ. Um, Does, did you see the moment where he actually does, like, sniff his fingers after yeah. he's, like, touched? Yeah. One of the girls. Yeah. But he has to do that, doesn't he? Because he has to make sure that they're, like, clean and hygienic. before. Yeah, they... so they haven't got any disease. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, look at me defending it. Um, so, <laughs> um, Miriam turns up. So, that yeah, so Miriam, our heroine, not that you'd think her because she's been in it for, like, two minutes in the first 45 minutes, but she turns up to sign up as an orgy girl, and we, re- we realise that this is her way in to get revenge. So she then goes and offers her gods and nubus her purity by fucking herself with a dildo. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but that's how I spend most Sundays. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's been a long week. <laughs> you know, when when you think of like revenge fit flicks, you know, like like just say for example that moment in I spit on your grave when she goes to church and begs for forgiveness. Yeah, <laughs> and then you and then you have this and then you have this sequence where she Savage like sort of Savage Street. She has a bath. Yeah, you know, she has a cigarette. You know, in in the bath. Yeah, she does. Whereas this, you know, Laura Gemser just impales herself in front of Anubis. <laughs> quite the thing. This is possibly one of the more explicit scenes I've seen Laura Gemser do as well. Because she tends to sort of step back a little bit, doesn't she? Yeah, she she goes very hard, soft core, should we say. She never yeah. truly, it never truly crosses that boundary. But this was pretty close. I, I thought, mean, yeah, it was all suggestive, yeah. isn't it? But, but it's still quite yeah. surprising. I think. Mm, yeah. Um, um, so meanwhile, the orgies are given a ritual bath in a swimming pool, the orgy girls. Um, so they all sort of jump into the swimming pool. And then bizarrely, these men then appear underwater with dildos and like rape them from below. Yeah, I didn't get what that was like at all. Is it like sort of like just making sure that they're not virgins or something? So, I, I wasn't sure because they bleed, don't they? When they shove the dildos, yeah, up. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So it's a bit of an odd one, really. I'm not sure what that was. I just feel it was because you had that under- underwater camera still from when they did um, Emmanuel America. The same mm. thought as <laughs> basically the same shots, aren't they? Yeah, yeah lots of seventies uh, muff floating about underwater. <laughs> it did. It did make me think of like you know those moments from like Jaws or Piranha. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's the point of view of like these things that are just going to attack these naked ladies. Yeah. But but that, yeah, well then obviously what something did attack, but I just didn't expect it to be men with fiery red dildos. Oh, no. So yeah, it was very strange. I didn't quite understand what that one was because surely you'd want to maintain their virginity for this this orgy because that was the whole point, wasn't it? Yeah. Because there's a whole minor sequence shortly before where um, Caligula's soldiers raid like a convent of some kind, don't they? For like not for like nuns. You so know. are they the Vestal Virgins? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like 
Like they've specifically like they're not supposed to even be like approached because they're supposed to maintain their virginity for their entire life or something like that. Yeah. So it's weird that they suddenly would would deflower them before the actual thing, and, and in such a weird way as well. So yeah, very, I didn't understand it at all. Very weird. Very weird. Um, and then there's a sort of sex training session with um, one of the girls is paired up with a Greek slave, and yeah. this is our. Our first hardcore moment. The Greek slave is really fit. Oh yes, I I I noted that down like straight away. He hadn't even got his cock out yet. He's got a going on girlfriend. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Chris, what did and you she, make? She she was really into it as well. well. Like, yeah, but Chris, what what did you what was did you make of the the women in this? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, there's women in it. Um, I did, did <laughs> like, I, 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 I don't think he met. I mean, I know it's a porno, but I don't. I did, when I'm watching it, I'm not thinking to myself you're meant to be focusing on the women. If I'm being honest, particularly you know with that scene and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, I, I, it's hard for me to get as like you know it. It ultimately it's an awkward blowjob, isn't it? It is. Well, I did think her technique seemed a little bit perfunctory. Yeah, well, it's. I got the impression he was never able to quite fully get hard. Yeah, <laughs> I hope the poor lad, fucking hell. Yeah, I mean, he. The thing was, she was very into it, but yeah, she. It reminded me a little bit of like one of the cock destroyers in their videos, mm. like you know, the, like it's so over the top and grandiose in performance that it doesn't quite look satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of um, yeah. I mean, those Cock Destroyers videos, you sit down to watch them and you just, well, some of us do, and um, you just sort of, I just laugh for most of the time. Yeah. I think think they're fucking brilliant in every way, but it's not what I would think of as erotic, but I don't know whether if I was a straight man, I'd think differently. Yeah, it's it's like, it's a bit too aggressive, the Cock Destroyers. And this, this wasn't necessarily aggressive, but like, a little bit too showy, like they, she was doing a performance rather than like actually sucking the dick. And also, she's meant to be sort of nervous and new to it as well, isn't she? So, and that's, well, that's what I'm saying. She didn't look too nervous. <laughs> like she, she looked just, like she was really getting into it. She, but she had to look of a you know, oh here we go again about her, didn't she? Really? <laughs> <laughs> sucking off some Greek champion as we are again. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe maybe Damato had done the scene a few times and she just couldn't quite get to it. And then in the end, he just had to go, oh, we're just going to have to go for this sort of semi-softy one. Yeah. So, you know, because it's the best one we've got. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, you know, the quicker to do it, the quicker I can be on the bus home. <laughs> um, so, um, and then quite quickly, we're at the orgy. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is probably the main, main event of the whole film, really, isn't it? I- I noticed another queenie character at the orgy as well, sort of lounging about, this uh, sort of fabulous, rather rough-looking queen, and uh, mm. sort of lounging about being camp, and then they bring in some wrestlers to to fight for their entertainment. Um, mm. And there was a bit where the queen is sprayed with blood from the men, which I thought was really funny, because it made me think of, you know, um, the artist Francis Bacon. Oh, yes. He loved to go to boxing matches and he loved to sit on the front row because he'd be sprayed by the blood. Really? Yeah. Well, well, to be honest, I mean, seeing some of Francis Bacon's work, that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Well, yeah, he was all about visceral masculinity. and Like meat. Yeah, meat. meat, Like sort of, yeah. yeah. He had a very sort of distinctive outlook on life, didn't he, He Mr. Mr. Bacon? Yeah, so that's what he liked to do. He liked to sit there and get splashed by blood and that's what this this queen made me think of. Yeah. I mean, he's one, he's one of my favourite artists, Francis Bacon. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like, but I didn't know he did that. That's that's quite quite odd. Yeah, he's also. I think. Have you seen the film with Daniel Craig? I haven't. No, no. It's a scene in that where he does it. I think that's. Oh really? All right. Okay. That's I'll have a look. What's it called? It's the Devil. That's a great film. Ah, I'll have to have a look out for that one. Um. So yeah, uh, the fight. The wrestling match, the fight between the two guys gets quite grisly, doesn't it? Because one of the fighters has like spikes on his knuckles. Mm. Um, I think, don't both of them have them? 
well, one of them, you know, gets the better of the others, doesn't he? And he says, oh, yeah, one definitely fucks up the other one. <laughs> badly. It's, like, it's really fucking grisly, I think. It's very heady, that, isn't it? You know, with all, like, the fighting and all the fucking and, and all, the, all the shit going on. It's, like, really... Oh, hedonistic's the wrong word, because it, it's it's just... There's a lot going on in that scene. Well, it sort of starts out with hedonism, doesn't it? But then it sort of descends into something a bit, a bit darker, and you've got that guy who keeps vomiting. Yeah, uh, and then but, and then kissing is yeah. the, the lady he's got with him, which yeah, there's so there's a blood. point where it becomes too excessive to be enjoyable. It's like gluttony and depravity, isn't it? All all sort of rolled into one. Um, and then so vengeful Miriam is there. She's been laying low, but now we realise she, uh, she knows someone who's in Caligula's council is a, a gorilla. Um, he knows who she is, and he knows why she's there. But mm. um, she basically he says to her. He warns that no man has ever got close to kill close enough to kill Caligula, but obviously she's not a man. Never underestimate Black Emmanuel. That's what I say. <laughs> um, so she catches um, she catches his eye, doesn't she? She catches Caligula's eye, so she's invited to sit with him. Mm. I'm like, oh, great! What's going to happen here? But then suddenly somebody walks in with a horse. <laughs> I, I I actually put in my notes here, like when the horse comes onto the screen, you know that this is going to be a sleazy queen's episode. Oh dear! <laughs> we seem Animal to have just got a tree, as you call it. Yes. <laughs> like, how on earth did it? How on earth did it get to this stage? <laughs> how on earth did he get to this stage? I mean, you know. Uh, um, also, equally as disturbing, there's a scene with a camp man licking a man's bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> Just too far. I, I, I didn't. I didn't even see that. <laughs> like he's licking the ball patch on his head, and I just thought, no, too far, too far, Damato. Um, so it cuts from. Uh, so basically, the woman we one of the women, the frumpier woman from earlier, is now gonna wank off the horse for everybody's entertainment, and we see mm. it, see it in all its um, glory, splendor, yeah, uh, uh, splendor, and. It, the, there's a, there was a moment here where I felt really appalled with myself for watching the film. And, uh, <laughs> what, now? Kept, yeah, after all this time. It kept cutting from her wanking the horse to Laura Gems's face. And I just thought to myself, you know when sort of the penny really drops for you? And I thought, this is why Laura Gemza is now out of the public eye. <laughs> <laughs> This is why she doesn't do interviews. She doesn't celebrate her film career because she's watching a woman wank a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is something that happened yesterday. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, yeah. What did you think when you saw it, Chris? Oh, I was made up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought to myself, honestly, I thought to myself, what he's done there is he's, he's got a fit. Either it's, I'm guessing a 16 mil camera, and he's put it right underneath that horse to get that shot. That and that's all I could think about. Like the amount of effort he's gone to to get that shot is fucking. Because normally when you turn around and go, she's wanking off a horse, you think, oh, I know how they're going to shoot that, and it's how they do it in America. But now I'm thinking, stuff, he's he's done that and he's gone. That's not good enough. I need what I need to do. He's get right fucking in there. I need a handheld sixteen mil camera. I need to get under the horse. Under the That's horse. That. And that was all I could think about for however long that lasted for, which felt like, and I'm not gonna lie, quite a long time. It did feel quite long. That's what the well, woman said. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole the whole orgy itself takes around twenty minutes or at least twenty minutes. The whole the whole thing, yeah, it's it's an insane amount of screen time. But yeah, the 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 horse wanking doesn't obviously happen straight away, but it does take a while, doesn't it? And then, yeah, you know what? I've been getting into Married at First Sight Australia this weekend. And yeah. those episodes are really long. They're like an hour and a half or like just over an hour per episode. And and at the same time, that woman wanking off that horse felt longer than an episode of Married at First Sight Australia. And in many ways, quite similar. Yeah. Ben walked in while I was watching it. And, um, oh, great. And I felt like really, like, really, really guilty. 
I felt really guilty. I felt like I've let him down. I've let the school down. I felt, <laughs> um, so um, on a more positive note, at the same time, I kept giggling because there's a piece of the score that sounds just like any of Morricone's mission for uh, score for the mission. <laughs> it sounds like the opening of the mission, and I was thinking, it's so random. You couldn't think of two more different things put together, but anyway. Um, oh God. I also noticed there was lots of quite seventies looking hair for ancient Rome, and not just on their heads. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I made the note. This orgy goes on for a long time. You'd have thought they'd peaked with the horse, but no. <laughs> and then there's a lot of hair. That's no, like the horse. It. The horse like ushers in like the whole thing. Really, doesn't it's it? Not even the there we go. Um, so lots of sex, lots of big, lots of big hard dicks, guys. I'm not going to lie, and I mean on the men. Um, mm. I was uh, quite impressed. And um, one of Caligula's cronies, I really recognised, and then suddenly he was hard and was doing one of the scenes. So I, I realised I recognised him from some form of old vintage porn. Yeah, uh, it's um, a yon about Marius. Yes, um, the, the one who's got like the the beard. Yeah. Yes. Yes, well, I I recognised him for like earlier in the film. It's because it, he's the guy that uh, Caligula kind of uh, scams out of his money, doesn't he? But with his um, epileptic attack. Yes, and um, yeah, I did recognise him. It was like, and it wasn't until I saw his dick that I recognised where oh he was God. from. I had a similar moment. I was like, yeah. that's where I know him from. Because first, because first, because it was quite—I wasn't sure. I was like, "Is that Demato himself?" Because Demato had like a you know facial hair and stuff. I was like, "No, it's not him." And I was like, "I don't recognise who this guy is." But then, as soon as I saw the cock, I was like, "Ah, it's um, <laughs> I'm just it's Mark." Him now, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it, it's it's Mark Shannon from yeah. uh, from Porno Holocaust and Erotic uh, Nights of the Living Dead. Right. Yes, I know. He, he, yeah, he, he had to. Uh, well, he seemed to have lost a bit of weight and got a bit more trim by this year because this was 1982. He so in two bad. years since he did the other two, it looks like he kind of buffed out a little bit and got a bit more muscular. But yeah, it's him. <laughs> he looks much better in this film. Uh, he does. He's really like, he looks a lot better. He's yeah. he's, uh, he's also in um, such wonderful titles as Hard Sensation, Super Climax, and black sex, <laughs> and, um, awesome. sexy erotic love. I can't imagine to think what that's about. And um, he's also in an Emmanuel film. He's in Emmanuel in the Country from nineteen eighty. Ah. I don't not know. I don't know that one. I haven't. Seen I don't it. know that one. That, that one sounds, oh. sounds a bit family friendly. That one, doesn't it? Emmanuel in the Country. <laughs> country file. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, so anyway, there we go. So Miriam manages to get her, work her way into Caligula's affections and his boudoir. And there's a refreshingly softcore sex scene with lots of David Brandon's paired bottom thrusting glass load of gems of flails around in the throes of ambivalence. Um, mm. uh, and I've said it before, but yeah, this is this was one of the moments. Basically, it was after after the queer scene earlier on, but this scene as well. Wasn't it? You know, Joe Zamata really knows how to photograph a man's bum. Which you know, mm. very grateful for that. Um, so anyway, we think Miriam's going to kill him, but this is the twist moment. Yeah. Suddenly, she turns on on one of her own allies, doesn't she? And she kills him, and then grasses up the others. Yeah, because like she she'd worked it all out with. Because uh, were they like cardinals or something for like or like they were senators, something like that in in sort of Caligula's government and they all had the same idea yeah. after the whole death of the, the Christian girl. Yeah. And they kind of worked with her and they were planning to use her as to, to like, kill her. but yeah, she just betrays them at the last minute. And it's, it just, I just didn't see that coming at all. It was really out of nowhere. And it just yeah. made you sit up and think, Oh God, okay, well what's going to happen now? Well, she sort of, it makes it a bit more of a sort of anti-hero fucked up heroine, doesn't it? Cause like you wonder, well, why, why is she doing it? And I, I thought she still obviously wants to get revenge on him. Mm. So it's just a case of like get rid of all the others because they might ruin it. They might spoil the plan. Yeah. The only thing I thought was like there must be some sort of plan B that she'd figured out late in the plan and just couldn't let anyone else know. And I thought, 
and now she just had to get rid of other people. So I was like, but there must be an underlying plan to still get, you know, get back at Caligula. But, I, did, I did also wonder if um, she had to earn his trust more. So to do that, she threw them under the bus. Possibly, possibly. Because he was, because he's been paranoid for the whole film, really, isn't he? So the fact that she's kind of got rid of some potential assassins of him, yeah, definitely. Well, it definitely worked, though, didn't it? Because he does yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. So we get the torture scene here to, when he tortures and murders his own men, yeah. uh, and um, he has the great line: uh, "There are no innocents among Caligula's subjects." I thought that was quite a good line. <laughs> Um, and he has so he has to touch the murder, so he has uh, a grillo anally impaled, um, not a grillo, a gripper, and um, he, <laughs> well, he uh, kills his he kills his child. First, oh my god, the baby! Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to cackle at that because I just thought that, you know when something it's so throwaway is so, isn't so it? cynically <laughs> trying to shock you. I just thought this is hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, the, so he's trying. Agrippa's trying to get his family out of Rome, isn't he? And Caligula stops them and takes the baby off them and then, like, like twats it against the tree or something. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then impales, impales Agrippa by shoving, like, a large spear thing up his arse that comes mm. out of his chest. Yeah. Um, there was a great scene, there was a great line in this scene, like, throw away a bit of uh, dialogue in the background, and it was the wife, and she screams... Uh, you know, she's like saying, leave my husband alone. And she says, bugger me if you must. <laughs> and I just thought, get that on a t-shirt. Oh, God. Bugger me if you must. Um, quite a quite a thing. Because uh, the guy who plays a gripper is um, Gabrielle Tinty. And he's um, he was the real life husband of uh, Laura Gemser. And he's oh, yeah. been in like... He's in everything with her, pretty much. Oh, um, he was in Emmanuel in America, wasn't he? Didn't they have sex in Venice? In Emmanuel yes, America. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been in, he's been in quite a few Emmanuel films. He was also in um, Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. He's he been was. in pretty much, yeah, yeah. He's been in most of them. That's right. But yeah. he, but he always takes a bit of a back seat in them, and he never really suffers anything that bad. So yeah. in this film, it was quite a shock to see him actually suffer something quite nasty. Because normally he's he survives or he's in the background somewhere. So yeah, it was quite quite a shock to see this this spear basically being forced into his arsehole. Maybe him and Laura had like a bit of a domestic, and she just whispers in Joe Damato's ear one day, you know, I want him anally impaled. Yeah, just humiliate him now. I need to. I need some. I need yeah. a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, basically, she's wormed away further into his affections by. Grassing these fellas up, so uh, the, she, the plans work, and she makes Caligula fall in love with her. And we get like a montage of walks on the beach, running through the fields, making daisy chains, you know. Um, so having all of those innocent people tortured and slaughtered was worth it in the end. Well, apparently so. She gets him on, um, and he even wants to marry her, even though no Roman emperor could ever marry a slave. Um, but then we realise he might not get that far because she appears to have poisoned his wine. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange plan, isn't it, really? Because ultimately we find out that her plan B was kind of not to kill him, but just get the truth from him and like yeah. feed him some hallucinogen in order to get it. Yeah. So a bit of a poor show, really. I was really expecting something a lot more grandiose. I was expecting a big a big finish. Um <laughs> Well, we saw them in the orgy, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> so he starts to hallucinate, doesn't he? And he, he um, he's got this drug-induced hysteria where he finds himself being stalked by the souls of all those he's murdered, facing mm-hmm. his demons and all that. And then he doesn't really know what's a dream and what isn't. And then he runs into Miriam in this kind of dream world state and starts to stab her to death. But then we realise he's he's actually doing it in real life, and he's like sort of sleep stabbing her. So he's like, you know, <laughs> as um, you do, yeah. So he's sort of he's he's killed her basically. So mm. which I I thought was quite shocking because I just did I genuinely thought that the ending would be her getting a revenge on him in a sort of throwaway epilogue type thing. We find out that uh, there's a new emperor, isn't it? Claudius has been elected, and uh, Caligula is finally about to meet his maker by the father figure he loved and who loves him, Petraeus, who um, eventually has him killed on the beach. Where Caligula always dreamed he'd die. 
Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, in fairness, from a you know that could have happened at any point in that film, couldn't it? Um, you know what I mean? It's kind of been like I don't know. I, I just think if everyone was really worried about stuff, they could have stepped up the game a bit earlier. But you know, that, you wouldn't have got that that, that horse orgy, I suppose. But <laughs> so we should be thankful, yeah. really, Chris. Absolutely, absolutely. In, in many ways, you know, we're all winners, apart from all the people and that poor woman as well. All <laughs> The, I mean, not even the character, but the actress. Oh, um, yeah, the actress. I mean, yeah, I forgot to mention the fact that after she wanks off the horse, she then tries to, like, get shagged by it, and then something horrible happens because the horse bolts. She's... Well, yeah, there's just, a, there's just a single thrust, isn't there? And then there's, like, an awful scream. And yeah, then thankfully splat- off-screen. Um, yes. Yeah, it's not very. Well, I, I think that it would come into legal troubles if they'd actually attempted to film something like that. <laughs> what do you say that? I think it's bad, bad enough why, why they went in the first place, but I really think it would tip into illegal content. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> so that's, yeah, and that's where the film leaves us, basically. Um, I thought it sort of, it as I've said earlier, it sort of ticks all the Joe Tomato boxes of, you know, OG murder. Violence, bestiality, hmm. but it doesn't do it in quite as an economical way as Emmanuel in America for me. No, it's a it's a little uneven, isn't it? I'd say in terms of um, there's there's moments where you're not really quite clocked into what's happening because it's a bit talky and a little bit uh, yeah. less interesting. And the bits that are interesting are really interesting. It's just that they're spaced out, I think, just to keep you watching it, but. Yeah, it, def- it definitely flagged. I'd say in the in the last the, the latter half of it, a- after the torture sequence, it really slowed down for me. Yeah, I think, but at the same time, you know, I think the interesting thing about it, I suppose, for me, was you can kind of see like the Joe Gamasso kind of formula almost. Like, I mean, something that I, I don't think I've probably seen before with his work. Um, you know, because obviously for, for myself, I think more women. I think about the matter. I think more about absurd or anthropopagus and, and that kind of stuff. Or the the, the so his Black Emmanuel films. But but you know, uh, I've seen obviously Black Emmanuel in America, Black Emmanuel Last Cannibals, and this in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. it kind of feels like I can kind of understand, not understand him, because I don't. If, if anything, I think I, I I can understand him less. But. Uh, <laughs> As a man, but um, but I'd kind of you know it, it's interesting when you kind of see all the different touch points right down to the underwater swimming pool muff shots, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, I think I don't want to get. I mean, it certainly doesn't feel like a, a film school experience, but um, you know, uh, I feel like you can, you can definitely deconstruct his craft. And also, to be fair. I mean, I've, we, I think we've, been, we've all been quite quite hard in this film, and I think that's totally understandable considering what it is. But also, I do think that um, some of it is really well shot, and it's very clear. Again, I think I've said in the past that you know, for a filmmaker, he's a very good cinematographer, and but he was cinematographer on this, and it does show at points that he's kind of said, "Let's make this." Over. You know, when like that that first few shots where where Laura Gemser is seen. Are are really like quite nice, nicely yeah. done shots, you know. So, I think at points he's kind of he's done it, he's done it great. But at the same time, it is, and as as I've already said, the camera position on the horse wanking is, is very creative. Um, but you know, not necessarily um, all the way through. Well, we could say he never goes in half cocked. <laughs> Absolutely, um, I would Which say is more than we can say for the little man in that. that oh movie. yes, oh. yes. The, the, lit, the little man was clearly struggling, I think, to maintain a, a sort of a good erection, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, the little man can be seen from so, from so many different, as a euphemism can be can be said in so many different ways, though, Andy. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of little men, I suppose. Um, <laughs> just to go back to what Chris was saying, I think there are moments of it that look really good, and you can tell that he's he was really talented uh, lensman really and the stuff on the beach has got this dream like quality that that actually reminds me a little bit of Derek Jarman maybe think of Sebastian um, there were a couple of moments mm. especially yeah all that stuff on the beach which was that kind mm. of weird um, yeah dream like fairy tale vibe to it really dark mm. 
So I think, you know, it's not without sort of creative artistic merit either. It's just that usual sort of perfect storm of madness, isn't it, that makes these films what they are. Um, mm. I also think that um, a surefire sign of a film worthy of being covered on this podcast is if it makes you doubt your own moral compass by watching it. <laughs> there were moments. Let's actually remember this was all Andy Roberts' fault. Hey, idea. <laughs> um, so thanks for choosing this one for us. It delivered on yeah. every level. Well, I just want to cut, well, when this came out in, um, this actually got a theatrical re- release in the UK, believe it or not. Um, it was it was released in 1984, though, so it was way after the film had actually been, um, been you know, been produced. But it was pre-cut by the distributors by about 14 minutes <laughs> to get rid of all the hardcore footage and obviously the, the horse moment. But then the BBFC insisted on a further nine minutes to be cut out of it. So they removed every instance of dildos. They removed the whole rape scene at the beginning. They removed, oddly, the the, <laughs> the mother and the child being cut down with a sword, you know, like after the torture sequences. Yeah. yeah. They they got rid of the the opening bit where the tongues get, get got removed, and they also reduced some of the steaminess of the softcore sex scenes. So you'd think, like, what the hell was left? Yeah. <laughs> at that stage men, men in Peruga's talking pretty much yeah just the talking bit and to make matters even weirder so in 1987 um, the same cut version that was cut by nearly you know tw- over 20 minutes yeah. um, was submitted for a video release and it was rejected altogether by the BBFC who said no you're not getting it at all wow. so yeah this, this film had a lot of legal troubles back in the day and I just thought, well, with a with a copy book like that from the BBFC, like this was catnip for us, really, wasn't it? So. Yeah, it's like tick, 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 isn't it? It's everybody. Yes. Well, um, well, we lit- I literally just looked at the stuff that was cut out. I was like, well, we're watching this. I mean, <laughs> you know, dildos, yes. tongues being removed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. So there we go. There's a uh, thank you, Mister Tomato, for another. Very interesting two hours of my Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you a fan of Joe D'Amato? Are you a fan of this film in particular? Are you a fan of the iconic Laura Gemser? Then please get in touch and let us know what you thought about this film. You can get me at Johnny Larkin on Twitter. Um, Andy Roberts has a little announcement to make, don't you, Andy? Yeah, I... Bit, a bit random, but it came out of nowhere, really, but very chuffed. Um, it looks like I actually got a bit of a gig on um, a new Blu-ray release coming out. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, the, the 88 Films are releasing uh, Urban Legends trilogy, and it's like a – I think it's been recalled and changed now. It's actually like a four-disc like collector's edition or something like that, and uh, it's going to have a, the usual collector's booklets and documentaries and stuff like It's got like a – nine-part documentary or something daft like that about like the whole franchise it's really really extensive (laughs) but uh, i managed to get uh managed to actually write an essay that's going to be featured as part of the booklet amazing so yeah it literally came out of nowhere and i'm still not quite believing that it's happening until the film's actually released but yeah so it looks like i'm actually i'm legit (laughs) i've got my name out there gosh if you go legit, does that mean you'll have to stop talking about Phil for us? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I am John, it's even worse. <laughs> no, God, I, 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 yes, I'll get paid to talk about Phil. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, have you got like a date when that might when that's coming out as a release? Well, I think the, the original date was like March 20-something, but I think it's just been pushed to um, either mid or late April, but it okay. is coming out soon. But yeah. uh, there, there's there's some information on it online on the yeah the 88 films are kind of plugging it heavily at the moment but um but yeah it's it's coming soon but uh, it's worth picking up anyway even outside of outside of me because it's got loads of fantastic people working on it mostly they've got all the original directors uh, back to to talk about their their sort of entries in the series so it's definitely worth picking up that'd be great for slasher fans especially uh, mm. okay so if people want to congratulate you on twitter what's your handle <laughs> Or just send me abuse. <laughs> um, no, my um, 
uh, it's Rackety Espress, um, and we also do. I also do the Nasty Pasty podcast, and I keep saying it every time we have one of these bloody episodes. But the new episode is on its way. <laughs> it's in the post. <laughs> Eventually, one day it'll happen. Probably at the end of lockdown, knowing my luck. But um, but yeah. So you can find me Rackety Espress or Nasty Pasty Pod on Twitter. Great. And Chris, where can we get you? Uh, yes, I'm on Twitter at orange underscore monkey, uh, and yeah, still doing the Virginia Nasties podcast. So you can get uh, recently done a Dawn of the Dead one, which is all about the um, the brushes that film had with the BBFC, and uh, Death Weekend came out last week, which is like a kind of exploitation uh, home invasion movie, which is fine if you fancy that, if you like that kind of thing. And That's I'll be good. doing Headless Eyes next week, which is uh, an early 70s uh, American exploitation slasher movie, which is pretty good as well. So yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty there. Cry works for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, thanks boys. It was great talking to you. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. See you.